talking about friendship with Jesus this series for the first seven weeks of, of the year. And uh, friendship with Jesus includes a community where we are inviting Jesus and living in friendship with other people who are on a journey of friendship with Jesus. And we're also including people who are maybe out of community, and we're trying to get them into the community of people who are pursuing Jesus. So when it comes to including people, we are not prone to advance much past the middle school lunchroom or the high school lunchroom. You guys remember the stress of them. I mean, maybe some of you were like relational juggernauts and just everybody wanted to sit at your table. But for me, it was a little more stressful at the beginning of a new year. I mean, now, like, I'm totally fine eating by myself. You see me by myself at LARB, let me be. I'm completely content. Back then, I didn't want to eat by myself, and I would stress about where can I, you know, who's going to, am I going to be okay at a table, and then, you know, the vulnerability of trying to fit in, and maybe you're excluded, and all, so anyway, um, it was a stressful place, and, and we probably don't advance much past that on our own. I remember the, uh, I, I went to a high school reunion, one, and I had my fill, it was the 17th year reunion. Uh, because at Maslin, I graduated in 95, we hadn't had a reunion, and uh, around 17 years, they decided to put one together, so I went down, it was, a, it was an Italian restaurant and hall down in Maslin, I went with uh, my best friend and his wife, so it was me and Kelly, my wife, and my best friend and his wife, and we get there, and we sit at this table of eight designed for eight. And, uh, you know, I look around, and the room is exactly like it would have been in high school. Everybody kind of sitting together in friend groups. And then there was a table of three. Or it was table for eight, but only three people were there. And it's a guy and two ladies, and they were the ones that were outcasts from middle school on. And there they were, sitting by themselves. It was pretty awkward when everybody else is around their tables. I noticed it, felt bad for him, engaged in conversation at my table with the people at my table. My wife looks at me and says, what's up with that table there? There's only three people there. That's kind of sad. I was like, yeah, they were always kind of like that, just kind of unkept, um, you know, didn't dress well. And this is from a guy that likes the Belichick hoodie. Even I knew that they were underdressed and, and just, you know, anyway. So Kelly does what she does. She fixes the problem. She gets up and she goes over and she just says, hey guys, come on over here. Just come on over to our table. Guys, move, move Scoot so that they can fit. And six mortified people at our table squeezed together so that they could sit at our table. And because of the first lady of Polaris Christian Church, Everybody got included that day. And I was like, why don't you just go to their table and sit with them? No, I'm kidding. I understand. <laughs> but that day, Kelly brought Jesus to the party. And when Jesus is at the party, everybody is included. So, lightning round. 
three icons that we're building this series around. Treasure, table, towel. Three expressions of friendship with Jesus. First is the actual up-down, just relationship that you have, the personal connection you have with Jesus and everything that goes with that. Secondly, it's table. Last week, this week, we're talking about table, and that's this idea of, of inclusion of other people, of friendship. It's, it's, it's friendship with others, you yourself pursuing friendship with others, which is hard for some of us, but necessary. Friendship with others, you yourself, and then once you're in relationship with others that are pursuing Jesus, you're inviting other people in. I'm going to read to you from Matthew 9, one of my all-time favorite moments in the ministry of Jesus. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when this unfolded real-time in history. Here we go. As Jesus went on from there... He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told Matthew. So, so follow me meant join the team. You're included. You make the cut. Matthew got up and followed him. <clears throat> While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, that's the religious elite, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he eating with these people? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Now, I want you guys to think about the real time. There was a room with a table. And Jesus, God in the flesh, sat at this table with these people. Now, let's break this down. The scriptures say that Matthew was a tax collector. That is the lowest level of, uh, like it's as bad as it sounds, but even worse. In, G in Jesus' day and time, religion was everything. The Jewish religious culture was like everything from the police force to the education, the city council, that it was all religion. And Matthew... And these sinners, that meant that they were the outcasts of that society. Tax collectors were hated. And then there was everybody else that was rejected by the religious elite. And they were outcasts and they were outsiders. Matthew goes up to one of them and invites them, invites, I'm sorry, Jesus goes up to Matthew, who was one of those people, and he invites them on his team essentially to his table, then Matthew doesn't know the rules because he's not in the group. So he goes and he just got included in Jesus' crew. He goes and he invites the rest of the bottom feeders that he knows to the table. Do you know how awkward this would have been in a religious society that he goes and he invites all the other outcasts, all the other rejects, all the other spiritual weirdos to his house because that's who he hangs out with. That puts Jesus, God in the flesh, like religion, the embodiment of religion, even though Jesus really didn't embody religion as we know it, it's God in the flesh, so I guess he kind of did. He just invents it as he goes. And, and he's there at the table with just how awkward that... Can you imagine, like, like the awkwardness 
perceived. And these religious, the religious elite, they, they, they have no category for it. This would have been as controversial, like Matthew invite, Jesus inviting Matthew into his crew would have been every bit as controversial as like a Southern Baptist leader inviting uh, an LGBTQ leader onto the leadership team. It was that divisive. It was that controversial. There wasn't a category for that. Yet Jesus includes Matthew. And then Matthew invites all his other buddies to the table. And Jesus eats with them. Socially speaking, do some research on what eating with somebody meant back then. Blows the mind. That's why the religious elite didn't have a category for it. And Jesus is like, yep, that's who I'm here for. That's who I'm here for. So do you see that message baked into that? The idea of once you're with Jesus, you're inviting other people to join the community. You're inviting other people to the table. Now, <clears throat> also in this story, one of the reasons we might not do that is because uh, the awkwardness. Like that had to feel awkward for people that were there that knew better. Mention the things that I was, you know, every now and then I'll go play Texas Hold'em and, or, or go to any given party and, and whoever's hosting's like, do I need to tell people you're a pastor? I'm like, not if you want to ruin a perfectly good party. Like, it creates awkwardness when things get talked about that are outside the box. But Jesus didn't. I have no doubt that Jesus would eventually invite anybody with him to leave the garbage in their life because he wants what's best for them. But initially, that's messy. It's messy when you want to start just including everybody. Like you really, think about the categories. We're, we're going to include them. We're going to invite them in here. It's messy. But that's that moment that Jesus created. Okay, um, next thing. I want to look at uh, Luke 14. I'm going to look at Luke 14. Another one of my favorite stories, and remember that this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. When one of those at the table, Jesus at a table, one of those at the table uh, with Jesus heard this. He said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will sit at the feast in the kingdom of God. Just yells out something churchy to impress Jesus. I don't know. Bothers me more than it bothers most. <clears throat> Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. You know what I love is, is, you know, this is about life with Jesus, so he's not comparing it to, like, invited his friends to hear a sermon. No, it's, it's about a banquet. It's about something fun. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said... I've just bought a field, and I must go to see it. Please excuse me from the banquet. I can't make your banquet. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, 
and I'm on my way to try them out, whatever that means. Please excuse me. <coughs> Still another said, I just got married. I'm going to be busy for a few months. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Bring in the outcasts. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. If there's room in this house, there's room for more. <clears throat> so the master is God. The banquet is life with Jesus, friendship with Jesus. And the idea here is that we are the servants meant to go and invite. Now here's what, here's what we need to do. I talk about that lifeboat thing. We have to understand that, um, that we're the lifeboat and um, people are drowning all around us. And if there's room in the lifeboat, there's room for more. And the lifeboat's only full when no one else can fit. And once you're in the lifeboat, once you're into friendships, the, the community of God, people following Jesus, it's our job to invite people in. And we have to take it as serious as we would, seriously as we would other parts of walking with Jesus. You know, it's easy to say, yeah, I should be reading my Bible. Yeah, I should go to church. Yeah, I should pray. Yeah, I should give. Yeah, I should serve. Yeah, I should whatever, whatever, whatever. But we often don't think about inviting people into friendship <coughs> as a part of that journey, especially for my introvert friends. Introverts out there, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Uh, I would never ask an introvert to raise. Come on, that's like name tags. Every extrovert loves the name tags. Hand them out at conferences. I would rather walk around a conference with a porcupine in my pants than wear a name tag. <coughs> name tag. I play an extrovert from the stage, but once I get off the stage, it's... Um, what was I talking about? Oh, take you, we have to take serious inviting people. Another study came out, study after study after study, but a new one came out talking about how post-COVID people are getting back to church or into church. And once again, the number one thing above any other way for somebody to end up at church in a community is they were invited by a friend. I would love to believe all the preaching just draws people in. Or the great worship, or the great programs. Now, some, that's a factor. But the best chance, statistically speaking, the best chance that people you know and love have who are far from God and outside of the family of God, the best chance they have to get in to table friendship with Jesus is you and a personal invite. So here's your takeaway. I'm an index card guy. What I would like for you to do is to get an index card this week and write down five names of friends that you have who you could give an invite to church. Or maybe like this, you know, family game day is coming up uh, that you could invite 
Uh, if you have young kids, you're going to go, and once you come with us, uh, we're doing this thing at the church where we're doing life-size uh, um, board games. Uh, nothing weird, just come hang out, have fun, go home, and then, or you know, invite back to church or whatever. Five names that you could invite in 2024, so you've got 11 months to pull off the invite. Take a month and pray about it. Pray that God would give you opportunities. Pray that it would be successful, whatever. And chances are good that of those five names that you wrote down, one or two of them is going to take you up on it. That's how it works. Most people would say yes to going to a church. This is a statistical fact. There's no debate. Most people who don't go to church would say yes if a friend invited them. And then you just let God take it from there. But listen, I got a, I got a buddy in, in church consulting. He's top-notch. Like, he is, he is sought after. His suggestion for Polaris, he said, you know, you got the facility, you got a great children's ministry, you got a great youth ministry, you got solid worship, you got everything going for you. You need to spend about ten dollars to $20,000 to do a rebrand. Go, you know, go get yourself a rebrand, get a new logo, get a fresh look with, you know, website. $20,000 on a rebrand. Let me tell you something, seriously. If everyone connected at Polaris would take an index card, write down five names to invite that year, and do that every year, we could never build a building big enough or find other ways to house the amount of people that would join God's table just from that one habit. Ain't got to do a $20,000 rebrand. We just have to invite. We have to take as seriously as we would any other aspect of our faith. Inviting friends to God's table. So we're going to do one last song. And during this song, I, I, that's a mental exercise. What I really want you to do is I want you to picture a big table and you're there with Jesus in friendship. And maybe a few of your closest Polaris friends or whoever that's walking with Jesus together and what you have there at that table with Jesus. And then I want you to picture some of your friends there as well that you've invited. And now they're at that table with Jesus because what's, what's, the, what's the owner of the house say? My banquet needs to be full. This table has spaces that need to be filled, and they need to be filled with your friends and my friends. And our invite is the number one thing going in this world that has the most power to get them to the table with Jesus.